All right. All right. Well, happy. Uh, I know there's a big. Uh, people were celebrating a rainbow today. Is that what it was? Yeah, we saw a lot of our fans out there for the Rainbow Man episode, and we really wanted to say yeah, thank we appreciate you, guys. That. That was it's nice a great episode. I just yeah. didn't know you guys would have a whole No, and there's been so thing. many, but to just shut down streets just for, no. For one episode is one crazy. one episode, yeah. There's other episodes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know. It was wild. No, happy Pride, obviously. Happy Hello Pride. up there. How's it going? Not great seats. Sort of like peeping Tom and Jane up there. Sort of just like, we'll watch them. Don't look down, don't look down my top. Yeah. Look up his bottom. Always. There you go. Smush them together. You like that? Yeah. Ah, real hot. I thought I only some, I got that. I got some sweet, sweet taters. Yeah. I'm, uh... <laughs> now the small talk's coming, babe. Smushing also, your boobies, calling them taters. I'm also an escort. Wow. This is, I'll tell you, talk about a turnaround. You've really gone from zero to hero. This is great now here at Cleaving Escort. That's awesome, man. Good for you. I mean, I'm doing the show here, and then I work for another four hours. Wow, you got another show. What, you, what you're stripping? You're, you're no, just, you're, just a you're one-on-one. Just, oh, just what, a one-on-one? So you got a John tonight? Yep. You're going to go out with your John, and then whatever happens, happens. Now, now is that the sort of it's situation where you're, you're getting, like, sexual right away? Or is well, it, it kind of up to you? It's kind of a dealer's choice, how you feel. It's up to them. It's up to them. Uh, but can, your price can, just increases as the night goes. We can watch Netflix, or we can get right into it. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Good for you. That's so cool. Yeah. Mash those taters. That's right. That's actually my, my Share online those taters. name. Yeah. Mash those taters. Mash them. <laughs> Mash those taters and lay a little gravy on them, yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. There we go. Gravy up them mashed taters. See? Seats are getting better. The show's for you now. These people have the shitty seats now. Yeah. Oh, man. I could talk about your taters all night. You know that? I mean, I think we all could. Yeah. Such a Oh, talk about a hot spot. Right in between that set of taters, that's the hot spot. <laughs> uh, thank you for masking up. Yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yep. Just took a guilty sip. She was like, "I picked a horrible time to take a sip." She was like, "I had it on until he." Hello. Uh, this allows, uh, I mean, compromised people to come. It allows people to come who have someone in their household uh, is what going through cancer or whatever treatment. So. You know, this is what we should be doing. Yep. Where's your mask, you elitist asshole? Uh, You're listening to the dollop. (laughs) This is an American history podcast where each week... I, owner of a dog with a hot spot. <laughs> Fingernail clipper owner. <laughs> Man with many masks. Dave Anthony reads a story from American history. Call me your fucking driver. To, to my driver. God damn it. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Uh, 
I'm not your driver. You drive Steve Van Seagal, <laughs> and I sit in the passenger seat. Not all enter, the time. And entertain you. Oh, my God. This is such bullshit. <laughs> For those of you who didn't know, we did name our van Steve Van Seagal off of uh, suggestions. We drive and live in a van together. When we started this show, it was about how crazy America used to be and was becoming. And now we drive in a van with a bed together. No no toilet. People who have toilets in their camper vans are criminals. Yeah, we just have a bucket. Particularly couples... Because that means one is shitting. How's your pooping, Barbara? <laughs> it's kind of tough while you're shifting. Well, I didn't design the roads, did I? Uh, action. Yeah, go ahead. Action, Dave. August 8th. October 1st, 1863. <laughs> Year of our Lord, Jesus Cristo, Son of God, Charles Henry Martin was born near Grayville, Illinois. Nice. One person ambivalently into it. Uh, He was the third of ten kids. His father was a stubborn... Enjoyed the porking. Though there was porking going Mash on. Mash them taters. Oh yeah. His father was a stubborn ex-military man. Hmm. Charles went to public schools and then to Ewing College for two years, but then that changed when his two older brothers drowned in the Wabash River. Jesus. At different times, do you know? No, one was drowning, the other went in to save him, and they both drowned. <sighs> I'm really glad I asked the follow-up. I don't know why. Why would I do that? Could you make it a little more depressing? Of course I can. But now he moved up in the rankings. Dave, stop. Like he jumped. Stop. Jumped two spots. Now you're my fourth favorite. That's the good news. After his father demanded that Charles serve his country. Okay. So I guess the older boys were going to serve the country doing the family. Right. Carrying on the military brass. Now he has to do it. So uh, he was accepted into the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. But he got homesick and he was miserable. And then he was expelled after two years. Okay. Nice. But uh, dad pulled some strings and then he was let back in. But he didn't want to be there. So he was like, don't worry, I set it up so you can go back. He's like, but Dad, it was hell. You get another chance, son. He's like, thanks, Dad. We really don't want you home. Have we made that clear? Stay there. Please. Hurry. He graduated as a second lieutenant in June 1887 and joined the 14th Fighting Irish Regiment, which had been his father's regiment in the Mexican War. Okay. Mexican-American War. Let's not just call it the Mexican. Well, you did. 
Well, we someone did. You you just did. Eh, it's debatable. All right. His first assignment was at the uh, Vancouver Barracks there in Washington State. So uh, while he was there at the Vancouver Barracks, he uh, got the nickname Tommy. There's, there's no explanation. What? He just got a, he just, they gave him a nickname that's just a different name. That's not. It's like, do you want to call me Chuck? They're like, nah, <laughs> Tommy. Huh? Uh, but it didn't look like he was going to move up the ranks. He was just kind of staying in the same place. He was stationed there for 10 years. Wow. In 1894, a group of unemployed men led by Jacob Coxie. Began to march to Washington, D.C., and this is, uh, you know, they're ex-vets and they're the bonus march. I think this is a bonus march. Whatever. Yeah, you can tell me whatever you want to tell They're marching to say everything sucks. No, this is way before the bonus march. Anyway, they're marching to say we want to be taken care of, which never (laughs) happens. It's America. What are you doing? This Uh, is a feel-good story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Charles led the effort to help round up local men who were going to join the march. He called them, quote, the freaks and rats in this part of the Northwest. He's, but he's getting them to join the march. No, no. No, he's opposed to the, so he's calling these he's guys rounding the freaks. Them up. And, okay, all right. He's very opposed because they're, they're uh, freaks and rats. They're people who are having a hard time. Right, yeah. Huh. Well, now I see his point. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Good Lord. Uh, He married Louise Jane Hughes in 1897. No picture of her. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. that is it. Well, why would you take a picture of a woman? Yeah. They don't appear on film even if you do take a picture of them. (laughs) They're apparitions, basically. (laughs) Save it. Take a picture of a skunk or something, because at least you can have something to develop. They ain't real either. I don't believe in women. (laughs) They figments. She was the daughter of one of Portland's most prominent lawyers and citizens. It's Ellis Hughes. Uh, They called him, uh, her family called uh, Charles Harry. What is going on? So if another family calls him Dick, that's going to be crazy. (laughs) Tom, Dick, and Harriet. We, oh, is this before Charles was a name? People are like, that's just disgusting to try to say. You'll be Harry or Harold to us. Uh, So as he wasn't getting anywhere, uh, wasn't moving up, he demanded he be sent to fight against the Spanish in the Philippines in 1898. Because yeah, we were at war. He wasn't just saying, I want to go fight the Spanish That's by what's himself. great about this country. Yeah. So many options. <laughs> uh, after he did uh, some hero uh, war shit in the Boxer Uprising in 1900, he then started rising through the officer ranks and became a general. Okay. Wow. There we go. Uh, in World War I, he was uh, sent to Camp Grant in Illinois. There he was assigned to break down the new recruits and then build them into soldiers. Okay, so just morally abuse them. Yeah. Right. Just, uh, he's incredibly successful, and he got the nickname Iron Pants. Iron Pants? 
Take that, Charles. <laughs> Iron pants. Iron pants. Because they were so wrinkly? I don't know. Again, no explanation. Good Lord, iron pants. This disgusting. Iron pants. He oh, looks... you try to punch him in the dick. You won't be able to. <laughs> old iron pants? I think he's genitalless. He doesn't feel nothing, old iron pants. Come on, iron pants. <laughs> so his success at Camp Grant led to a new assignment. Uh, near the end of World War I, military leaders wanted to move black troops out of Europe, and they signed Charles to the command of the all-black 92nd Division. Is the comedy going to become more difficult? Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Jesus Christ. Let me know when to tag back in, Booby. <laughs> they assigned Charles to, quote, eradicate any notions of equality they may have picked up in France. Because <laughs> oh. the French treated them right. equal, more, much more equally. I'm sure there's a little bit, of, but compared to us, right. much, much more right. equally. Or like, yeah. Um, they so they spoiled were like, you over there. You've got to meet Iron Pants. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the generals of the you know, top military guys were like, well, we can't have black people thinking they're okay. This is a difficult... Send them back. T- yeah, right. Yeah. Nice. Really good. Yep. Uh, and Charles, luckily, got this job because he was a racist. <laughs> Keep going. It ju- they just came together perfectly. Uh, many times he had stated that black people were inferior to white people. Quote, the Negro, the Negro is of little importance. The average Negro is not by any means equal to the average white man. Sure enough. (laughs) (laughs) Take a break. Okay. Sure enough, he used his command to break the spirit of the black soldiers. It was a systematic, deliberate breaking of an entire division of war veterans. He gave them the most degrading duties he could, cleaning toilet pits, burying rotten corpses. They had to work all day and were given no leave. Back home, Charles and his staff started rumors that the black soldiers had been raping white women in France. Oh, my God. And he nicknamed them the Rape Division. Jesus Christ. The point was to make sure no American would thank the black soldiers for their service when they returned to the U.S. And when the war was over, Charles filed a report that became the core of army policy on black soldiers till World War II. It minimized what roles they could take on so they wouldn't become heroes. It discouraged having any black officers over the rank of first lieutenant. Comedy... You have a job to do. Boy, I'll, I'll bet that was horrible to go through. <laughs> Much like spaghetti in... I'm done. I'm, I'm yes-anding you. <laughs> no, no, your story has not yes-anded me. 
So, of course, after this amazing work that Charles did, he was rewarded by being made commander of U.S. forces in Panama, overseeing the Panama Canal for two years. Then in 1927, after 40 years in the Army, Major General Charles Martin retired. We've really flown through this guy's life. But it really, this is the best part. So they moved to Portland, Oregon, which uh, they considered home. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Where's the widest state? (laughs) (laughs) They had uh, a ton of real estate from her, uh, which she'd inherited from her father. So they quickly just uh, jumped into a spot in Portland's ruling elite. Nice. The other Richies then talked uh, Charles into having a go at politics. Oh, right. Yeah, let's spread this message. Let's get it out there. And he was elected as a Democratic write-in candidate in 1930 to Congress. Go ahead and read that, the first sentence. It feels like I've been drinking, but General Charles H. Martin, Democrat, <laughs> Democratic wet, <laughs> increased his lead over Congressman Franklin Coral, Republican, dry, in <laughs> yes. the 3rd Congressional Districts. <laughs> I had never, I had never heard this before. Oh, so Dave, you're the only one, Dave. I've always. <laughs> so it's prohibition. Oh, so, so he's pro drinking, yeah. and the other guy's anti. Yeah. Wow. So they called them wet and tries. Ah. Uh. <laughs> we got to bring that back. I know. This is Dave. He gets wet. <laughs> I'm gets, always wet. If he gets wet enough, he'll mash them taters for you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Wet and dry. <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, so he he's, ends up serving two terms. At one point, uh, Oregon's most influential senator, Charles McNary. Uh, this guy, this senator, is uh, sick, uh, very sick, can't get out of bed. Charles turns out to be a very good political you know, that's behind awesome, the scenes man. guy. Yeah, that's awesome because it's like I, you're rooting for this guy. Yeah. Uh, FDR's some guys in FDR's administration didn't want to give funding for the Bonneville Dam, and so uh, Charles, you know, works behind the scenes and gets it done. It'd be really wet. But I'll be the wettest one in Congress. <laughs> I'll be soaking. Charles, sorry. I'm like 90. <laughs> uh, but then Charles soon, to, soon came to be very angered by the dam when he learned uh, that FDR's administration wanted the power produced to be available to wholesale buyers so they could form public electrical co-ops and keep prices down. <laughs> Bullshit! That's our electricity, you son of a bitch! It's being made by water! I own it! It took my family! I'm gonna take from it! (laughs) I will have my revenge on water. Charles, I oh, will. I said I was wet, oh, but water. I'm dry. If it wasn't for water, I wouldn't have gone to West Point. <laughs> I could have done what I always wanted to do. 
make tap shoes. Papa forbade it. But then what I did to a whole generation of black soldiers happened. So, who designs the patterns again? Sorry, I'm having one of those flashbacks. So Charles demanded the power be sold to private utility companies who mm-hmm. would then resell it at a profit, even though the money for the dam was from the federal government. In a speech, he said, quote, the power which the government will develop at Bonneville is not intended to force down the rates of existing power companies. This power is intended for the great chemical and metallurgical reduction plants whose first consideration is cheap power and an inexhaustible supply. Uh, Charles is wet. Um, Charles <laughs> has really been wetting all day. Uh, so, I mean, he's just, an aw- in every way, just awful. Just There's nothing good about him nothing so far. Good. Right, yeah. Thank God the other brothers died. Who knew what they were going to be like? They might have been great. You don't know. Oh, oh, and Charles' main advisor was a lobbyist for Portland General Electric. Oh, Nice. Oh, boo. Have they killed like 100 people like RPG? Yeah. No. Get in line, Portland. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> now, obviously, the 30s in America, turbulent times. As the Great Depression got going, so did union activity. Mm. Boo. Boo. Bully, boo. <laughs> boo. You do whatever we say, people. Boo. <laughs> talking about how bad we are to you. Get back to work. What are you talking about? No meeting outside of work to talk about work either. The water will show them all. I'll harness its power. Uh, when workers marched on D.C. in 1932, Charles took to the floor of Congress to say he thought they were, quote, Odious men who appeal to greed in their own personal political interests. Greed? They always do that. They're always like, there's greedy sons of bitches. What do you want to raise? <laughs> you fucking animal. <laughs> Think about that company. <laughs> he believed workers were making demand. He believed workers making demands was a threat to the U.S. government. Uh, yeah. Well, well I, I mean, mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah if your yeah. government's full of shit, then yeah, get in. <laughs> You're going to cut in on our corruption, you sons of bitches. (laughs) You'll watch ourselves. (laughs) He said, quote, dangerous ideologies threaten Western civilization. Yeah, they do, asshole. (laughs) Someone held a mirror in front of him. Get that mirror out of here. I'm trying to be a hypocrite. This is all because the workers are demanding an eight-hour workday. <laughs> oh, my God, eight hours. That reminds me of when they did the, uh, the Trump impeachment, and they, all the senators were, like, dying. They were all like, oh, my God, ten hours in the same place? Yeah. It's like, you're just sitting there. They were like, we've never had to work like this in our lives. Like, well, I got bad news for you, assholes. Oh, my God. Why don't so- you just kill us? <laughs> oh, please. I'll vote now, whatever way you want. So then in 1934, Martin, uh, Charles Martin ran for governor. So he uh, campaigned as a New Deal Democrat. 
Really? Which is just a lie to get people to vote for him. Right, okay. (laughs) As soon as he won, he dropped the lie and became a huge opponent of getting people anything from the government. He's against Social Security, welfare relief, disability relief, anything people... Has he read the New Deal? (laughs) Anything people needed, he was against. So he ran on the New Deal, and he hated the New Deal, and he won. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. In 1935, the unemployment rate was 20%. And then in 1936, it dropped to 18%. We did it. So Charles declared the Great Depression over. over. What are y'all? We won. Now it's a good depression. (laughs) It's pretty great if you ask me. I mean, basically, it would be like something like like a huge issue that's harming people, a huge thing. Mm -hmm. But then leaders decided everything was fine and just to go about your business as usual and not... Wear masks. So, I don't understand. <laughs> Charles told the feds not to send any relief money to Oregon. So he literally—he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys, which still happens. It still like, happens all the time. We don't want it. We don't want your Obama money. <laughs> it's like, take what it. are you going to heal people? <laughs> it's the exact same shit. Yeah, like, they're, they're, so, it's just for political reasons. I it, mean, it doesn't matter him because he's fucking rich. So right. it's just poor people suffering. He's well, like, it still no. happens with you know gas prices, where people are just like, "Look, you need to pay high gas prices for a minute because we're doing something better." It's like, listen, asshole. Easy for you to say. You're a fucking millionaire. Trust me, we're van owners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we get it. <laughs> We live in a van, kind of. With a toilet. There's the toilet right there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very strange reaction, honestly. Very strange reaction. Oh, I love when he calls him a toilet. Oh. He said, quote, I am trying to show the courage and fortitude of good soldiers. Democratic nations have lost their moral force through pampering their people. She's uh, an old, rich, white piece of shit. <laughs> and I do think that's always amazing, too, where it's like, they do say that a lot. You know, like, you've, you've, we, we need to sacrifice, you need to sit. It's like, you don't need to, you don't no, sacrifice anything. Anything. So it's super easy to just be like, boy, thanks for doing that. It's like, no, I'm going to kill you. Oh. But... Um, so Dust Bowl refugees started showing up in a Oregon. <laughs> and Charles ordered a state relief committee to shut down the camp for them, which was named the Roosevelt Transient Camp, which Charles called the Go Tramp. Go back to your dust. The Tramp Camp. Go back to the... Tr- Jesus all right, how does that make y'all feel? <laughs> you chose to live where it was dusty. <laughs> Uh, so they they made them all, he basically kicked them all out of Oregon. The Dust Bowl people, who, I mean, but I think that now too, where, the, where it's like, you know, forever we've just been xenophobes, and then now you're starting to see people be like, "Don't move to our state," like yeah. you know, where like we are getting back to that time where people are like, "Yeah, we don't like Americans here." It's like this is all America, like yeah, we don't like your kind here. Yeah, but we're all okay. Uh, so he, he was giving a speech to young Democrats in Eugene, 
When Charles said the developmentally disabled patients at a training center in Salem... I don't like where we're headed. ...should be, quote, put out of their misery. Oh, my God. What the fuck? I'm saying things out loud that are insane. Oh, my God. It's just like a a bad statement machine. (laughs) He, He vetoed every piece of legislation to give relief to veterans. Wow. Some veterans then fell behind on their mortgages, and Charles Why? responded by calling them, in quote, skunks. You're a skunk. What the fuck, man? <laughs> what is... This is not great, honestly. This guy, really, I I'm, I'm, keep waiting for the bottom, and then he's like, hello, I'm under the barrel. Oh, we're scraping it. Hello. You There's another like, barrel under this barrel. You fucking worthless shits losing your houses. Oh, you ungrateful pieces of shit. Now, while all this is going on, he cannot give the state police and National Guard enough money. Okay. Wow. So weird and different. Yeah, it's a pattern. Mm. What? It's something. It's just similar to. uh, It's pretty cool. Yes, it is pretty cool. Because it's going to the right place. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, you all have to sacrifice to have a police department that doesn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I assume they do this here too But you know how when they just have they cops do. With a construction crew just sitting there Yeah And uh, never do Like it's just You couldn't uh, It's just totally pointless Like what's ever happened So I was driving <laughs> yesterday And there was a crew like behind a fence In like a it was it was like a gravel area, fenced off, not near a road. There's just a cop sitting there with him. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I came on to quit looking at the gravel, sir. <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> gravel lives matter. Oh, boy. It's true. It is. Um, so they, they, his his... These things he's saying are not uncommon opinions at the time, especially for some military guys, including like a guy named Mussolini. Mm. It's all very much the same. Cool. Um, So Charles starts constantly feuding with his own Democratic Party, especially the Democratic majority in the lower house. He doesn't see them as political rivals. He sees them as pure enemies in a battle between capitalism and and, over capitalism and democracy. Right. Okay. So uh, these other Dems, uh, he thinks, are a danger to society. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the Oregonian, quote, Every subversive element is active in its efforts, desires, and hopes of overthrowing organized society and the governor. Oh, it's very clear. A bit little, yeah, yeah. Being pretty clear at the end about his real worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's an abysmal piece of shit, and he's, like, concerned that people are going to come kill him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good fear. So get back to that. So in, in 1935, he vetoes legislation to create a public power scheme uh, for Bonneville. And now all the power activists call on Charles' opponents to come together, quote, irrespective of race, religion, or political affiliation, to get rid of Charles Martin. Everyone except the communists. Not you fucking guys. <laughs> Can't have the communists right, helping. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, they are lightning rods. Uh, but, you know, 
they didn't want to help anyway, so they're fine. Right. Membership in this new group That's was... That's great when they're like, but you guys can't come. Uh, fuck you, anyway. Um, all right. <laughs> Once again, they have that attitude that we don't love. Uh, so they created a new group. The membership uh, in this group is called the Oregon Commonwealth Federation, which included unemployed people, loggers, farmers, Democrats, Republicans, and socialists. So they're all coming together to just basically get rid of Charles. Yeah, they're forming a group to get rid of Charles. This <laughs> is a super group to get rid of this one asshole. <laughs> I don't understand why when someone blat- like we do that now, where like people blatantly say they're going to do one thing and then they completely don't do it, and then that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Like, no, like, oh, that sucks. Well. Here we go. Oh, well. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why, like, that's just been happening for so long. Yeah. Like, where he's like, I'm a New Deal Democrat. And then he gets in, he's like, actually, I fucking hate everybody. And then everyone's like, God damn it. Well, fuck. Uh, well, what are we going to do? I guess he's controlling the water now. <laughs> so Charles isn't, support, isn't surprised this uh, group was formed because he has undercover cops working uh, at the going undercover the meetings and stuff. Right. Now, Oregon State cop Lawrence Milner wrote the OFC was quote a subsidiary to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. A subsidiary. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a. Uh, That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's a franchise. <laughs> Interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> well, it's what you'd think. Oh, these sons of bitches. Nobody gets it. Just let evil reign. <laughs> Enough. So Milner really wanted to get in good with Charles, so he was writing what he thought Charles wanted to hear. Right. He's just giving him, like, fan fiction. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Basically. Will you leave the room while I beat off? This is great. <laughs> Ooh. He, so this guy's writing what Charles wants to hear. So he's, he wrote, quote, the Communist Party issued instructions that the governor of Oregon would be made the butt of all attacks. I knew it. By various I knew it. speakers during the convention. I knew they were coming for me. And remember, their main... So the whole thing is that they just want to make fun of me. <laughs> They're trying to roast me. Oh, those assholes. <laughs> remember, they came together because they want... To just get rid of him. Power. They want the power from the dam. To right. right. For so like a, a public, yeah, right. Shared. So a couple months later, Charles said he wanted more information on that quote, uh, gang of young Jews, communists, CIOs, and crackpots. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like if you're ending it with crackpots and starting it with Jews, it's kind of an all over the place list of people. Oh, these Jews and crackpots. <laughs> Charles, like if you're gonna go in, go in. Who <laughs> the crackpots? These crackpots. If you hang out with enough Jews, you become a crackpot. <sighs> so Charles orders the state police to monitor the OCF. And for what are them- they so worried about? Watch them endlessly to find out. <laughs> Wait, that's what they're. What are they so concerned about? Well, we will turn their lives into nothing, but just we will watch them. Every step they make. They think I'm going to overstep and just use my power for things that I shouldn't. I don't want them doing anything we don't know about. Especially the Jews. Especially those Jews. They turn regular folk into crackpots. <laughs> oh, the evil Jew. 
So they want to drink the water. Well, I'm afraid there's none of that for drinking, Jews. Or you crackpots. That water's for power. And the power is money's for me. Me and my wife, the horse. Sometimes I don't know who I hate more. The Jew or the crackpot. Jew. Can you believe some that my favorability ratings are so low? <laughs> what is it with people? I'm just a great guy who wants all of the resources. Do 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 do. So he has state police spying on political groups who are opposed to him. Milner reported on a group form to recall a group reforms to recall him, like an official group. Oh, I knew it. He also wrote about the goings-on of of senators who are working with the recall movement behind the scenes. Oh, those bastards. Milner quickly and easily infiltrated the radical and dissident groups, and he became a confidant to Senator Burke, who was openly seeking donations for the recall. He's having a hard time getting people uh, to come up with money, and he told Milner, quote, could not understand what was the matter with the Portland people as they were willing to discuss the subject, but when it came time for action and putting up cash, different matter. Th- that's Burke who's saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's because they don't have, have money. any money, yeah, because yeah. it's the Great <laughs> it's, Depression. It's always the fucking people in the government. I don't know why they're not coughing it up. Oh, good Lord. Just pay the gas prices and shut up already. What are they so worried about? So when Just borrow money from your daddies. <laughs> so hard to understand about that. Your daddy's basically your papa bank. Um, so Charles uh, learned a police captain's son was on the organizing committee and asked the mayor to look in on the captain's situation. Mm. The mayor's the horse? Yes. Okay. The recall movement picked up steam, but newspaper editorials all supported Charles. Charles told the Oregonian owner, quote, these assaults will encourage and nerve me to adhere more strictly to the path of honor and duty. Well, if you thought I was a prick before, (laughs) I'm going to go full prick. But then the recall movement suddenly collapsed. They were not able to raise enough money. Also, because their main reason for the recall was that he was collecting an army pension while serving as governor. So, they, so that was their main... Well, they tried to find something he did wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, God, if only there was something he was doing. <laughs> and he's just got this spotless record. <laughs> Nothing was fucked up. <gasps> he's still getting a pension. There's something we can sink our teeth into. <laughs> uh, but... but this just ended up with Charles being furious and disgusted by those who challenged his authority. Charles thought the ranking and file union members uh, were uh, being controlled by communist conspirators, and he really hates unions and union membership. Mm-hmm. He thought unions were a sinister plot to seize control of the government and called union organizers gangsters and racketeers. Yeah, fighting for fairness. So he has Crap state pots. <laughs> he has state police just scour and go over everything labor leaders have done. Tax returns, everything. Just investigate them, investigate them. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems like he's really focused on being a good governor. Yeah. Making the state a better place. That's right. To anyone who was a, a legal immigrant, he called un-American. Cool. 
<laughs> and then the timber workers struck in May 1935. What do we need wood for anyway? We'll be fine. Wood? Yeah. Hmm? Hmm? Wood. Yeah. We don't, what do we need it for? Well, we... We, we build stuff. All right. Well, we'll just stop for a little while. I'm happy in my home. Everyone else should be. I bet your splinter rates are never going to be lower. We should lean into that in the press. Talk about how we've never had so few splinters in society before. Turn it into a winner. Now I control the water and the wood. <laughs> He says, uh, he says it's an attack on his authority as governor and organized labor is out to get him. They're trying to get me. <laughs> if you all... haven't noticed, it's all about me, yes. which is what you want in a governor. <laughs> he said, quote, these pestiferous peewees would go to any lengths to embarrass oh, me. Oh, these peewees and crackpots. <laughs> They're... All started with the Jews. <laughs> Peewees and crackpots. Oh. The sheriff in the area where the timber strike is happening writes to Charles to say he might not be able to control, control the strikers because there's so many. What? And then Charles... Start killing them. <laughs> oh, boy. Charles responds with a public letter in the Oregonian attacking the sheriff for not doing his job. The sheriff's an idiot, too. <laughs> And says he'll remove any sheriff who isn't up to it. And then another sheriff writes Charles and said his response was great. Ah, you're a good sheriff. You agree with what I said, which was a huge thing for me. You should be in charge instead of this stupid other sheriff. Hey, do you think we could control lightning? Oh, boy, I think that'd be great for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Charles responded, quote, bully for you. I wish I had a sheriff like you in every county in Oregon. Yeah, which is why we want to clone you. Get in that chamber. (laughs) Charles then told all sheriffs in Oregon to, quote, beat the hell out of them. Crack their damn heads. Yeah, crackpots. Those (laughs) fellas are there for nothing but trouble. Give it to them. And they did. Oh, Jesus Christ. So... (laughs) So they went on a beating uh, spree. Right. For, which is what always happened when you were on strike back then. Yeah, right. Um, and we're, I, mean, we're, I mean, like, you know, they like, they'll like shoot into like yeah. groups of strikers. So we're just yeah. like at the precipice right now of getting back to that yeah, exciting yeah, it's time. Right. It's coming. Yeah. Um, so Charles created a state police response team to respond to picketers. When workers went on strike at the Stimson Mill, he called out the state police and National Guard to protect scabs. They had tear gas. They're our heroes. (laughs) They had tear gas, riot guns, machine guns, and told the picketers to leave or get shot, and the strikers left. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So when longshoremen went on strike, well, they're stopping the trains also from hauling stuff from the... Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's important to get the goods to places, you're saying? The what? The trains? To, yeah, trains get stuff from place to place. Uh, yeah. That's a problem. We need to blow up all the trains. Yeah. 
What? Just harness lightning. Blow up the trains? Yes, great idea. Blow them up. <laughs> I'm going to grow one of those mustaches I can always do this to. That's what this situation needs. Yes, trains fun. This will be a good phase for me. Now, Charles said things had been going fine. Things are fine for anyone worried. Everything's going pretty good over here. And the depression was over. But it's then, over because I said so. Then these damn workers went on strike. Oh, for no reason other than to start the depression again. Crackpots. Jews. Jews. So now he starts, he's not attacking FDR, but he starts attacking FDR's labor secretary, who happens to be a woman. Oh, of course. Right. He called her inept and that her decisions paralleled Russian courts. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all about the Ruskies. It's what I call Putin's price hike. <laughs> in a speech, he yelled, quote, I do not intend that the Bolshevik Soviet system shall be introduced in this state. Okay, lady. <laughs> uh, Charles called her a red and told her she was responsible for all the troubles in Oregon. <laughs> Woman! It's remarkable to be the fucking governor and be like, she did all the bad stuff. Here I am, just a regular citizen with, all, well, with some power, but really not much. This woman. He said she was in league with the devil. Yep, that's right, all right. The reddest of them all, Satan. <laughs> woman and Satan. I hear from a friend of mine, she's dating the devil. Pass it on. Don't tell him you heard it from old Iron Pants. Is there a difference between woman and the devil? Well, that's an interesting question you raise, <laughs> reflection in the mirror. <laughs> I don't believe that there is. Now, let's just have us another Moscow mule. Oopsie poopsie. Oh, good Lord. We oh, have to invade Idaho. Deary me. Oh, dear. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow September 13th, London September 15th, Dublin September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham September 20th, Bristol September 22nd, and Cardiff September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th, Adelaide November 16th, Canberra, November 17th, Brisbane, November 18th, and then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, 
fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. So Charles now decided that military action was needed against... It's time. But when I say military, no blacks, obviously. <laughs> Just the white soldiers. The ones in the chandelier room, please. He thought military action was needed against the, quote, Jew communists and shanty Irishmen. He's having a really tough time. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying I enjoy his angle. But if I were to give him notes, I'd be like, look, come up with the straw man and stick with it. Like, is it the Jew? Is it the black? You're just tossing Irish people into it now? That's right. They're also evil. <laughs> Everyone who's not me is the worst. <laughs> These Irish Jew women crackpots. <laughs> Devil dating dames. He wrote to a fellow, fellow general, quote, This continued prating about human rights. Oh, be- good Lord, enough already. <laughs> blah, 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 equality. No. <laughs> My brothers died. Would you like would you like a glass of water? Water's trying to trick me again. I'll play your game later, water. Charles, you have to hydrate. That's what it was telling you, wasn't it? Nice try, water. Crackpot. Silly crackpot water. The water is a Jew conspiracy. That's why Moses parted it. To a fellow general, he wrote, quote, This continued pratting about human rights being placed above property rights is certainly bearing bitter fruit. Bitter fruit. I believe eventually people will crush it. Wow. I just don't understand how that shit still works. Like, it is remarkable. Like, I mean, you still see it where people are like, yeah, but all the property damage. Like, yeah, okay. Like, people are fucking pissed. Yeah. You know, you're lucky it's property because there's something that comes next. <laughs> I mean, they weren't complaining when I was playing the Rampage video game in the bowling alley as a child. Oh, they encouraged it. Go ahead. And then, and uh, I don't know if you've heard this before, but he uh-huh. said communists were trying to destroy American liberties. Mm-hmm. And quote, these forces want to do away with the capitalist system. They are playing. <laughs> they are playing the same game as they played in Italy and German strikes, confusion and turmoil. Italy had handled the strikes well, he said. Oh boy! Oh boy! Easy. <laughs> Read that back to me. I'd rather not. I don't want to. Come on. 
Quote, there are enough strong men left in the country to handle it properly. The Italians organized their black shirts. The Germans had their brown shirts and Hitler. I don't believe Americans will submit. Certainly the politicians will have to be thrown overboard. Well, I mean, it's a real mixed bag of what's going on right there. <laughs> Did you guys? So he's basically like he's, he's basically like the Nazis were. The Nazis had a great idea, yeah. huh? They did some nice work. They just left too many crackpots, if you ask me. <laughs> it's just so like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he really is just like writing that down. Is like, Charles, we should burn this letter. No, no, mail it. I mean, it's 1935 or 36, so uh, there right. were a lot of so businessmen and conservatives who were like, well, they're doing, I mean, they well, love, well, Why they, can't we just have a party like the Nazis? They really seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> what could go wrong with the Nazis? Businessmen fucking loved Mussolini. Like, Mussolini, they were like, look at that. Like, they loved it. Oh, he's so good. Arms crossed. Great body language, too. Now... The police force Charles had inherited had been set up by Smedley Butler, which meant it wasn't good at spying. No. So Charles called them amateur detectives and began reforming the police to turn them into more of a spying on people force. There we go. He used the uh, Portland Police Force's Red Squad as an arm of the state. He recruited dozens of undercover cops who reported directly to him. <laughs> His agents hunted commies from Seattle all the way down to Los Angeles, working outside law enforcement agencies and using privately raised money. Nice. Super cool and fine. Yeah. yeah great. Perfect. The Teamsters also gave to this force. All the agents were loyal to the governor first. So the Red Squad agents, they reported on the Communist Party unions, the OFC, the ACLU, and the Oregon League against war and fascism. Also other cops, professors, reporters, and state legislators. It's amazing how quickly everyone will just fucking cave when, you know, when it's like feels like it's coming for them. The, yeah. the quick ability for people to just be like, okay, well, yeah, I'll turn them in as long as my house is okay. Yeah. Lawrence Milner investigated subversives uh, from 1933 to 1937. He infiltrated a bunch of leftist organizations, and because he had a seven-passenger car, they often used him as a transportation guy. Wow, yeah, you where, can all get in here. Where he can it's basically a clown car for lefties. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got to burn the whole system down. Yeah, it's a page one rewrite, huh? Whoa. This Charles guy, I don't like the cut of his jib one bit. Oh, cop, I would never be one, huh? <laughs> what would make you think that? Hey, have some of these eggs, hmm? Huh? Want a hard boiler, huh? Have some of these nuts, hmm? Huh? I brought snacks for the car ride. Yeah, yeah, car ride, snacks. That'll get them, real good one, huh? Who said that? I'm just giving myself a pep talk up front, yeah? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Nothing. Oh, man. I'll tell you. Oh, I wish I had another arm so I could be even further left. Yeah. Unfortunately, in some of these directions you gave me, there's a couple right turns. I refuse to take those. This van only goes left. See? 
Yeah, yeah, hmm. You're getting them. They're buying it. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. No one's on to you, buddy. Hmm? Hmm? So Milner... Milner is trying to spur the mob on to commit violence. Come on, well, let's get a little more aggressive, huh? <laughs> oh, I think the problem is we haven't hurt enough people, hmm? Harvard Law School dean would later say Milner, quote, can be best dismissed as a self-confessed liar, a man who has admittedly tried twice, once successfully, to make falsehood parade as truth. Hmm. All right, you know how to write. Jesus Christ, just say the... He's a fucking liar. Falsehood parade, huh? <laughs> we could shut down Main Street. I like the sound of that. Mm? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Another undercover agent was Larry Doyle. Before he became an undercover agent, he was a prosecutor who just went after commies. So, I mean, really, you are. The resume is basically like, you hate commies? Well, then you're in the group. Yeah. Versus like, you have experience? That's necessary for this job. <laughs> hate commies? Then no experience needed. Uh, then Doyle becomes one of Charles' undercover agents, and he travels up and down the West Coast. His job is to try to take down labor leader Harry Bridges. Hmm. Harry's Australian, and he has he he rose up during the um, Longshoreman strike, which really upsets Charles that right. this guy was a leader during that. Right. Shockingly. Yeah. So we only uh, need short shoremen. And it's like a personal, he's like, Charles is like personally offended because it's like an attack on him. <laughs> that this guy he's not exists. from here. He tried to uproot some stuff. Oh, this son of a bitch. And it was also water-based. All comes down to water. <laughs> son of a bitch water. So basically everybody on the West Coast, every law enforcement is trying to get rid of Bridges. The goal is to have him deported as an alien communist. Sure. Jesus. There's a fun show. (laughs) (laughs) Doyle was so invested in getting Bridges that he completely compromised himself. (laughs) One witness said he took, quote, so much money from so many people that any effectiveness he might have as a witness against Bridges was gone. He was no longer of any use. So he just... It took so much money that people are like, yeah, now the cause won't work. He's like, mm, I guess my eyes were bigger than my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> Several times, Doyle tried to bribe witnesses to testify against Bridges. Come on. One agent who worked for Maston Navigation Company. Okay. Remember when we drove by that thing and I said, remember that name? Yeah. So Maston is a company. It was one of my favorite moments. From this trip. Yes. Today. Yesterday. Yesterday. Boy, what a, what a moment. And remember when I said, shut the fuck up, I'm listening to music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a time. So Maston is still a really big shipping company. Uh, what they did was they hired their own agents to try to take down bridges. Okay. Um, so one of their agents rented a beach house in Carmel, California. Wow. And wired the entire house with microphones and cameras. Nice. Put in a We're fin- going to make a reality show. <laughs> it's going to be great. Put in a fingerprint. Six crazy strangers. 
<laughs> Put in a fingerprint laboratory and had an arsenal of guns. <laughs> so it's a great reality show. <laughs> <laughs> the twist is there's a fingerprint laboratory and a gun room. <laughs> It's Psycho House. <laughs> so he keeps having parties, inviting radicals. So he, wow. And he goes around. Hey, we should do some more fun drugs, huh, guys? <laughs> Let's talk about taking down the government. Ooh, puff, 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 puff. Here, smoke that. <laughs> Devil lungs. Well, that's exactly what he'd do. He would try to steer all the conversations to revolution, but none of them would talk. Oh, she seems like a great chick, man. Hey, let's talk about uprooting the government again. <laughs> <laughs> I love our talk about vibing with chicks for sure, but isn't it just mirrors the government the worst? We should really do whatever we can to change it. Talk into that wall when you answer. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to the fingerprint, the bathroom. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> There's no fingerprint room, man. At the end of the party, he would grab all the glasses and take them into the fingerprint laboratory. All right, well, you wildcats stay out here and just keep chewing the fat. Let me get these cups for a minute. I'm going to take them to my second kitchen, which is a room I don't want any of you to go to. And I'm going to go in there and just start washing them. Um, why doesn't everyone touch the rim and hand it to me? And then I'll go to the kitchen too, as I call it, where none of you should go. It's just like the other kitchen, but it's just for glassware. And I'll go in there, and I'll be in there for a little while, cleaning all the glassware. And then I'll come out, and then let's talk about this BS government some more, huh? Ooh, puff, puff. Ooh, that feels good. I'm ripped, man. Oh, whoo. Anyone want more paper towel? They're LSD. <laughs> mm. Hey, Tripping can you so look hard. at that painting? It's called the name painting. Just look at it and say your name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's all look at that painting and say what our dreams would be about overthrowing the government. <laughs> Is that wild? Oh, man, I'm having such a good time. Bring over some of your super left friends tomorrow. Let's run it back, cool cats. All right. Puff, puff. Oh, fucking shit. After months of having all these parties, he had absolutely nothing. He's got to at some point be like, yeah. I really do like hanging out with you guys. It's <laughs> like I used to kind of swing with these different cats, and I don't know. They were just kind of squares. And <laughs> Have you ever been in the position where, well, like you were saying, Tony, like when you're trying to pick which wave you want to ride out there, like where you, you've been riding the same wave for a while, and you thought it was an awesome wave, but then behind it is a wave you kind of really want to ride and so you kind of been going undercover as the first wave but you've been thinking about the second wave so much that you're starting to think maybe you do want to ride the second wave but you've come too far because you've been like entrapping the, f the so, second wave the whole time so Jeff yeah we know you're a narc we just like the house a what a we, narc yeah we know oh my god imagine Oh, my God. Look at how many flowers are on my shirt that's not buttoned up all the way. A narc? You have, are you serious? You have cameras and 
microphones. Yeah, I, yeah. There's a microphone dangling from the ceiling right oh there. Oh my god, man! I must have done that when I was tripping. You've That's, never tripped. What? What about two nights ago when I told you that I saw the red devil and it dated a woman? Exactly. And then I was worried that you guys were going to be touched by the red devil. And if you've ever done anything that seems like you're part of the red devil, just say it into the painting. Right. The camera in the painting. You guys are just so cool. <laughs> What's it like to be cool? I, I have a confession. No. Yes, I want to get this out because I fucking love you guys. And I really have grown to love what we're talking about in here. But I've come too far in the case. But there's something I need to tell you. The second kitchen is not a second kitchen. Right, it's a, it's it's a, room a fingerprint for, laboratory. It's a fingerprint laboratory. Yeah, that was obvious. That was obvious. Yeah, because you kept asking us to touch Touched it. all the glasses guys. a yeah. lot. And then sometimes I'd come out and say, I just washed this one. Will you touch it again? Right, it, yeah. Because it didn't, I didn't, I had trouble washing it this time. And that I needed to... Yeah, you didn't get the fingerprint. We know, we know, it's been like nine months that we're pretty aware. Why do you think we never talk about anything? I just thought you guys were getting ready to loosen up and like, (laughs) all you want to do is talk about women and stuff and, you know, maybe now's a good time for us to open up about what we really want to do to the government. Vote. Because I want to overthrow these motherfuckers. I'm talking about burning it down, man. Like, taking That's... the property and just, like, putting that on the people. You know what I mean? Like, we no. need to band to... Oh, fuck. We believe in property rights over human rights. That's how radical we are. <laughs> you fucking crackpots. <laughs> so... Months go by, this guy's got nothing. I got a bunch of guns. And then Doyle shows up and tries to force the agent to sign an affidavit saying he saw Bridges at a commie meeting, but the guy wouldn't sign. Okay. And Doyle said he'd get the guy fired. What's going on with... Is he now like... Well, no, he's just... I think he's just honest. Like, he just doesn't want to... Wow, that's such a strange quality. (laughs) Yes. The guy still refuses, and then Doyle goes to Maston and gets him fired. Okay. So Doyle helped to frame three lefties for murder that they had not committed. Jesus. I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> Doyle? I, I, mur, mur, it's one of those ones murder. where like, you're waiting for other people to clap, like... Hands are asleep. I was trying to clap them yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. So Doyle helps frame these three lefties for murder. Now they're all close to Bridges. And then he went to one of the men's wives and told her if she made a statement that Bridges was a communist, he would get her husband out of jail. And she uh, said no. Oh, wow. God, they're really all doing pretty well. And then he goes to a dog. see her. <laughs> he, he goes just, to a horse. Yeah. <laughs> He goes to see her husband, who's in jail, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. 
And then he tells another of the three that he would frame him for another murder. What? I mean, I can't believe he's being so blatant. Yeah. Look, I'm going to put another fake murder on you unless you... <laughs> I'm really... Come on, asshole. Let's play ball. <laughs> Confess. If he doesn't make a statement about Bridges being a commie and the guy says, look... All I have left is my self-respect, and I'm not going to give that up. And Doyle said... Oh, it's not bad. I gave it up years ago. Just give it up. (laughs) It's really useless. You don't need it. It's nothing. Please, let it go. Good Lord. Doyle said, are you crazy? But the guy didn't do it. So he's just... Like, he has nothing after all of his time investigating. He's just trying to get people to fucking lie. Just... What is with these people? They have character. Communists don't have character. What the fuck is going on? on? This is crazy. So in 1937, Charles tells FDR that he was pretty soon going to have to use troops to deal with strikes. (laughs) He's like, FDR's got to be like, look, the New Deal thing that you said was really fucked up. I'm going to have to use troops on these people. He's like, I really wish you hadn't said you were part of the New Deal. It's the newest deal. It's worse. Uh, FDR said strikes are just growing pains and everything would be fine. And Charles then said... Bullshit. They had to get rid of communist and alien Harry Bridges. FDR then said he was, res- he was surprised, but he would launch a federal probe into Bridges. So... Gross. <laughs> Nobody's asking for that. Keep your mind in the fucking game, FDR. <laughs> so, Charles' anti-commie undercover force is now fucking enormous. Oh, my God. And his staff wants to reel it in, and they start trying to trace all the badges he's given out. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I was like Oprah with cars. <laughs> You'll never find out. There were a lot. Remember that one day when I just drove down the street and was tossing them? (laughs) You're an agent. You're an agent. Um, And they they basically want to take some back because they're like, there's too many out there. Not all these people are normal. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, mean, honestly, if you're worried about not normal people being in power, (laughs) Charles is a problem. One family begged the governor to take back a badge of a relative. Quote, my brother has no right to have this power. He is irresponsible, inclined to be rattle-headed, and is just as apt as not to shoot somebody for no reason. So please use your power and cancel this commission given to him by you. Well, we were going to, but then you gave us the good pitch. (laughs) He'll keep his. Does he have any friends who are like him? The badges are super easy to make. You just need a button-making machine. Another agent used his badge to make money. He hired himself out to collect debts. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He was eventually arrested when he was seen in the street beating up an old man with a gun. I think he's a commie. All right, hold back. (laughs) I thought it was over money for a minute, but if you're working for us... In 1938, Charles campaigned for a second term. Oh, good Lord. There's no slogan. (laughs) Like, there's nothing to say. Re-elect Governor Martin. Hopefully you don't know about me. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was just going to say, no Jews! <laughs> but, uh... You could only fit so many things on a button. So he's clearly no longer running as a new deal Governor man. Martin, I will have my revenge on water. Will that fit? <laughs> no. Kill the crackpots? Damn. He clearly uh, not running as a New Deal guy anymore. Right, yeah. He travels the state yelling about labor goons and racketeers. Uh. And he starts to be seen as kind of a ridiculous cartoon character. Wella, 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 wella. Wella, wella, what is it they think I'm about a cartoon, a character? <laughs> He became known uh, for twisting FDR's famous saying, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, to we have nothing to fear... But water! (laughs) We have nothing to fear but fucking water! And Jews! (laughs) And women! (laughs) Will that fit on the button? No, Charles, we're just going to stick with re-elect Governor Martin. Okay. I just think that would go good on a button. Maybe we put a button under the button. An additional button. Like an eight. Like an eight. Well, that could be good to... That could be good. Mm. Good. That could be good to do. Mm. My reflection in the mirror sure seems to think it's a good idea, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. So, um... We've got this... We've got it. <laughs> Looking good, me. <laughs> um, okay, so he changed FDR's famous saying from we have nothing to fear but fear itself to we have nothing to fear from the future except our own foolishness and slothfulness. Also very catchy. <laughs> I, I can barely also read it. Also very so catchy. <laughs> Oh, wait, you're not going to be able to drive down the street without seeing a car with that on the bumper. (laughs) Hopefully they have big bumpers. I've got FDR now. Wait, what is it again? We have nothing to fear from the future except our own foolishness, foolishness and slothfulness. Our own foolishness. This motherfucker telling people what foolishness is. Don't be foolish. Everyone's your enemy. Hurt them. We have nothing to fear but the beach house that has the cameras and microphones. <laughs> That's pretty good, too, you slothful piece of shit. Now, unlike 1934, Charles now has enemies in FDR's administration. Okay. And his supporters are begging FDR to endorse him or at least not say anything. His support, FDR's supporters. Charles supporters. Charles' supporters are begging FDR to endorse him or just just, shut just the stay fuck out up. of it. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to endorse him. Then just pretend he doesn't exist, please. He's like a ghost governor. And um, they, they do. So nothing is coming out of FDR's administration. And then Why? two days before the election, two of FDR's known surrogates endorsed Charles' opponent. Oh, I thought you were going to say endorse Charles. Okay. One called Charles a reactionary, and the other said he was not a new dealer. I mean, wow, really go for it. (laughs) How brave. (laughs) It's a psychopath. A third politician said he had just met with Roosevelt, and he clearly supported Charles' opponent. And this turned out to be the difference maker. Charles lost by 6,000 votes mm, to Henry Hess. Yeah, I didn't good capitalize on the crackpots. 
Charles blamed his loss on a vast communist labor liberal conspiracy. Obviously. <laughs> the thing I was fighting the whole time is what came and got me. These goddamn commie crackpots. <laughs> you fools. I'm going to go get so wet. But the primary was brutal, and the Democrats were now completely divided, allowing the Republicans to walk to victory. Oh, no. Oh, and Charles then campaigned for the Republican. Oh, my God. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm back. <laughs> Republicans would have controlled the state for two decades. Okay. I really thought we were going to have him, like, that hand come out of the grave and him be like... Bleh. I'm running again. No. I mean, he's pretty old. He started pretty old. So. Well, yeah. I mean, he's... The one thing Charles did know was that FDR had given J. Edgar Hoover increased, increased powers to investigate communists in 1937, which was his wet dream, obviously. Yeah. Uh, um, can you keep the politics out of your show? <laughs> Charles died on September 22nd, 1946. Hopefully painfully. I, I drowned a, in a bathtub. I hope he had a black water. nurse. Water! His last words underwater were water crackpot. Water was the biggest crackpot. It'd be so great if you had a black nurse. <laughs> Just standing above it as bubbles are coming up. Bumpy, bumpy. Moses. So, Charles died just months before Truman issued Executive Order 9835, which would begin the hunt for communists. Democrats were now aligned with Charles nationally. In 1950, Senator Joseph McCarthy... Oh, God. ...launched his hunt for Reds, which Charles obviously would have loved. Oh. How could someone ejaculate from beyond the grave? Uh, so sources, Offbeat Oregon and Gary uh, Murrell. Uh, <laughs> Gary Murrell. Uh, Hunting Reds in Oregon, 1935 to 1939, and the Oregon Historical Quarterly. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, so I you was... guys had a fascist. I mean, it got rid of him, but... And, you know, you you the vote was by six thousand. Like he still yeah. almost won after all that shit. And then he, like we have seen over and over again, the whole party eventually comes around to him. Yeah. Right? Which is all. Are you Mike, sir? That was very loud. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was thinking like throughout it, like it is obviously we get to that point, like where Hoover and McCarthy are going crazy and it goes it's so effective for so long like you have the you know the hunt for communists mm -hmm. and what happens is that people because you know they're scared for their own livelihoods 
they take, you know, they are, are silent or complicit or they take part in it and they, you know, are like, I'm not a communist, but this guy might be a communist. And then you have these fucking crazy ass trials of putting people on trial for being fucking communists. And then we went through like a mild period of dormancy and now it's just fucking back. Like it is uh, the way that it's going now, like it is still so fucking crazy to watch people just so eagerly eat this bullshit up just because it is a way to take your eye off of what is really going on. Like, it's so easy for the government to... Like, the second that people are starting to wake up, they just shake their keys and people are like fucking babies and Bjorns, like, oh, okay, yeah, no, it's not them. And and we just keep repeating the shit. And I know you know this shit, I, I can no tell. I have no idea what you're talking about. But, but I... Like it, it's a. It's not even like create. Like you'd think we would come up with like a different place. Like we're just like reci- I mean, it's basically the movies that we just keep doing, right? Where it's just like, yeah, we'll just do another Spider Man. I'm like, who the fuck is gonna want to watch Spider Man again? Everyone's like, oh, fucking Spider Man again. <laughs> and you're just like, we just saw this three years ago. The dude gets bitten by a spider and he can shoot. Wet- Don't tell me I haven't seen the new one. What? <laughs> And then, I mean, it's just like, then Joe Biden falls off a bike, and it's like you ejaculate, because you're like, ah, oh, something to fucking, like, that's good. He fucking fell out of frame like a fucking comedy. I don't know. It's making, just... or making, or having an 80-year-old use pedal clips <laughs> is like trying to assassinate an 80-year-old. It's, like, you're literally like, we're going to kill the president today. Yeah. How? Pedal clips. Like, it's... On. He's yeah. fucking done. Oh. Like, no... You should stop using them when you're, like, my age. Like, what are you He shouldn't be on a doing? fucking bike. Just no. go douche. I mean, I know he's not, like, he's... It's Again, I mean, it's always very funny when, like, you get in arguments about, like, what Biden's doing or not doing. Because it's like, he's a fucking... They're all actors. Like, they've, we, we elected an actor, and then we just had actors pretending to be that actor for the rest of the time. But still, for fuck's sake... Don't be out riding your... Just go pretend to do shit. Just go back and just, like, pretend... At least talk about some shit. Instead of being like, everything's fine. I ate a hot dog. I'm wearing the Ray-Bans. Anyway, we live in a van. Um, (laughs) That's how over it is. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate it, truly. We love you. Thank you.